All right. Jesus, we just thank you for this amazing opportunity we have today to be inspired by your story lived out through our three brothers and sisters in front of us here this morning. Um, we just ask that through hearing their story, through dialoguing with them, our just time together today, discussion, prayer, intentional community, that each of us just leaves with this feeling of belonging, this feeling of being closer to one another and closer to you. We just ask that you help all of them to relax, almost even too much, so we get the nitty-gritty of the story and have some fun here this morning. But I ask that you open each of our hearts to learn from their story, to see it as divine, to see it as just important as the scriptures that we normally find our inspiration from. So we thank you for this right now, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, there is a passage that Paul says that our stories are like a living letter still being written a letter so passionate that it's not written just in pen and ink, but it's emblazoned upon the human hearts when we come across it. And I think this is such a powerful um, part of this routine that we have of Bloom is that we quarterly take time to uh, dive into each other's stories and learn, uh, to draw from their experience, from their hardship, from what's worked, and to really connect in a different way. Uh, community is such an important thing. And in a city that, I mean, there's a lot of us that are transient, have moved here, in a city that is kind of tough to break into some of the social norms, uh, what an amazing call to create a space of community where people are accepted and welcomed, but not even more than that, but their story is valued as divine, as inspirational. And so uh, listen, pay attention, take notes of what was your favorite so that you can tell them afterwards when you said this, oh shit. Uh, it meant something. Well, whatever. <laughs> As is life. Um, yeah, but anyway, yeah, we've got Lynn and TJ and John uh, going to share their stories. I'm not going to sit up here right next to you. I'm going to just take a front seat view of this magic happening. Uh, if any time along the way you need water or coffee, just like nod or something, and one of us will get you something. Uh, you two just need to turn, hold the mic button down to turn it on, but you're live, Lynn. Uh, and so why don't we just start with you guys sharing a little basics. Like your sheets are in front of you. I'm not even going to repeat it. Whatever sounds great on there. Um, uh, especially your passions or something that we wouldn't know about you is really intriguing to just kind of kick us off. But yeah, why don't one of you just rock, paper, scissors it and... Make this thing happen. I'll go. All right. All right. Can you guys hear me? Is the mic? Okay. Um, so my name is TJ McCann. Um, I am married. My wife, Allie, is sitting there in the second row. Um, we live in St. Paul, um, just down the road, uh, so close to Bloom. Uh, what do I do for work? I just started a new job this week. I work at uh, Mitchell Hamlin uh, School of Law. Um, uh, passions, big into sports, can't really play them too well, so I like watching them, um, especially soccer or football for Matt in the back. Um, and something you wouldn't know about me, I am pretty introverted. I don't think a lot of people would realize that when they interact with me, but I am. I like just being home <laughs> and indoors, not yeah. outdoors. Yeah, what's your tagline? Avid indoorsman. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, lo yeah. I love that. Never been camping, have no desire to ever do that. So, yeah, that's me. Nice. I love Allie. I was talking with her a week or two ago, and she's like, if I didn't 
TJ has so much fun when he gets out, but he would never leave the house unless I made him. Like, it's time to leave. Like, come on. Lynn, you want to jump in next? All right. So, can you guys hear me okay? Okay, because it doesn't sound like anything. All yeah, right. hold it a little closer. I'll monitor your volume. Ooh. Yeah. All right. So, my name's Lynn Peterson. Um, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, which I think maybe half of you guys know. I live in Uptown right now. Uh, it's just me, and I work in sales. I work for a company called ESCO. We sell industrial automation equipment, which... No one knows what that is, and it's really funny to like watch people's faces glaze over whenever I explain what that is. Uh, one of my passions is music. I love the sound of music, and I'm the person who's jamming out in the car as you're riding past, probably about to cause like 10 accidents, but that's me. In another life, I'd be a DJ. Uh, probably not a good one, but a DJ. Um, <laughs> One of the things that you probably wouldn't know about me is um, I like spontaneity. So, like, I'm the person who, if you text me and you're like, oh, let's go do something now, it's probably really random, really silly. I'm always down for it. So if you ever can't find someone to go on your crazy adventures, I'm probably the person. All right. We'll be putting your contact info on the screen before <laughs> the service is done. Not all at once. <laughs> Is it yeah, just hold it down for a second until oh, okay. it turns green, Johnny. Sweet. Uh, my name is John Cunningham. Um, most of you probably know me. I think I've noticed everybody. Um, I am dating Gil Platt right now. He's in the back. Uh, we just moved to East St. Paul. We bought a house there, so and I'm loving it so far with all of its quirks. Um, I work as a floral designer in Stillwater. Uh, wedding venue, so I deal with lots of crazy brides and whatnot, <laughs> so um, uh, passions, I really love to paint and garden. Gardening is like my other huge passion, so can't wait for spring. Um, something you wouldn't know, everyone knows me, so I was trying to think all week like what I would say, but um, the one weird thing about me is I love Taco Bell. And that's like, <laughs> I like try to eat all healthy, but like I could eat at Taco Bell every day of the week. So there you go. <laughs> what's, what's your meal there? What's your go-to Taco Bell item? Or you just rotate down the menu. Different. Like I did a number three last time. It's number four this time. Yeah, it's a little more now that I eat plant-based. It's a little harder okay. to eat there. So. All right. Well, we're going to break this into kind of a few sections here, but we're going to start with like your religious upbringing. So tell us a little bit about what that was like, how you grew up, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, let's just do that. Okay. Um, and feel free to ask each other questions too. Don't make it seem like okay. prod. Make it hard. So just this first one, just religious Just upbringing. do it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Iowa, um, moved here four years ago now, so... Um, grew up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and my parents um, lived in Iowa their whole lives, still live there. Um, my mom had a really big Catholic family, so she was from a town in Iowa called Dubuque, Iowa. So I don't know if any of you guys have ever been there. It is 99% white and 100% Catholic, basically. So <laughs> little, little diversity anywhere across the spectrum. Um, so she was grew up in a Catholic family, went to Catholic school um, until high school when she went to the public school. And she had 
six brothers and sisters, so she was one of seven, so really big Catholic family. Um, so when I was born, um, and, and my dad, he, he was an only child, and he stopped going to church. Um, his dad actually passed away when he was in high school, um, and they, they went to church kind of up until that point. And then that really kind of shook him and um, my grandma, and they kind of stopped going at that point. They kind of lost faith. Um, so when those two got married and had me and my brothers, it was always interesting growing up, kind of the, the family dynamic of going to church. My mom was big on going to um, CCD or religion class every Wednesday from basically kindergarten through I was confirmed in the Catholic Church. Um, in addition to going to churches on Sunday, my dad really you could tell he really didn't care. He was just kind of, you know, do what your mom says. Um, so that was really hard for, for my brothers and I because I think with anything in parenting, if one parent is, you know, hey, you can get away with this and the other one says you can't, you don't really know who to believe or why there's that discrepancy. So I never really felt close to God growing up. I didn't see the value, especially in Catholic Church, for everything. And this is going to turn into Catholicism bash, so I apologize in advance, but that's just kind of what I've been through. Um, I never really saw the value because everything was so scripted. There wasn't any personal relationship. Um, I remember growing up, my mom always got so mad at me because we wouldn't, and my brothers and all my friends, we never learned anything in the religion classes. And all it was about was just who's going to bring the treats next week and who's, you know, we never, we literally didn't do anything the whole time up until I was confirmed. Like, we never learned prayers. So I would come home, my mom would be like, you know, say, you know, say the Hail Mary. And I, I couldn't do it. And she couldn't fathom because she grew up, you know, going to religion class where nuns would hit you with a ruler if you didn't know what was going on. But she just, she couldn't fathom it. So there was kind of this resentment and we never really wanted to go. Um, so I kind of just floated and coasted along for until high school, really. And then I kind of uh, got in with a different friend crowd, and um, including my then girlfriend, now wife, um, and just was kind of open to, I went to like a, a Lutheran church, I went to a Methodist church, and just kind of saw things in, in a different light. And, and there was people having this relationship with Jesus, and it wasn't, you know, I didn't have to go confess my sins to some guy behind a, you know, a wicker wall and never see him and he has no idea who I am. And it, it I don't know, something just clicked kind of along the way. And, um, you know, there's obviously been ups and downs since then, but um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. That's just, that's kind of the brief. Okay. Yeah, overview. that works. I like it. You know, I'm going to put, um, before Lynn goes into this too, I'm going to put my phone number on here. And if you have any questions you think of as we're going along, uh, just text them to me as well, and we'll try to weave them in. I know you guys are excited about the unscripted questions, but um, I forgot to mention that or put it up anywhere, so I figured we'd pause, click, and do that. All right, Lynn. All right, so I'm kind of excited to go next because mine was pretty similar in my religious upbringing. Um, so I grew up, like I said, in Pittsburgh, but my mom was raised in a very religious household, so her mother was a pastor, her family before that was a pastor, so my mom constantly went to church, and she kind of grew to resent it, but she saw the value in going to church constantly, so she would tell me that people would come over to the house because they needed prayer, or they thought that they had demons that needed to be removed, so they came to my grandmother and were, was like, well, we need some type of spiritual intervention, and it might be 3 a.m., so she just remembered that as her childhood and that God is always at the center and that the church is always at the center. So that's important for me to raise my child. 
And then my dad, on the other hand, whenever he was an adult, he wanted, I don't want to say nothing to do with it, but pretty much he was very absent whenever it came to going to church. So whenever it was time for me to go to church, I was always going with my mother, not with my dad. And then um, I grew up in a Baptist fundamentalist church. So basically everything that you could think of being raised in a fundamentalist church, very true. So all of the things that you could think of, yeah. But what's interesting <laughs> about that, and what's interesting about that is my parents weren't that way at all. They're very open and accepting and not that way at all. So I would learn one thing in church, and then I'd go home, and my parents were always like, well, you're no better than anyone else, and no one's better than you, love everyone. And then I would go to church, and I would have so many questions, and they just weren't confirmed, or they weren't, it wasn't a place where I could ask. It was always just have faith in the Bible was the word, and don't question it ever. So I remember what really was the breaking point for me was my dad had passed, and I was having questions before, and then I really had a ton of questions, like, okay, well, we have this loving God, and the way that it was taught to me in church was you do so many good things to earn God's love, and then you avoid doing bad things to avoid punishment from God, so a.k.a. sin. So if you keep doing all these good things, good things happen. So the more you go to church, the more you're involved with the community, all these other things, you're not going to experience any type of pain or injustice. So then whenever that happened, I was like, okay, now what's going on? And I had so many questions, and then they weren't answered, and I was just told over and over again, just have faith, it's in God's will, all of these other things, and that just kind of took me off the deep end, and I was like, no. So my relationship with God was kind of strained at that point. And I would say that we really weren't on speaking terms, in a sense. And it wasn't until I went to college and tried to figure out faith for myself and what does this look like and what is it for me that I kind of came back to it. Nice. Thanks for sharing that, Lynn. Um, <clears throat> my parents were very religious <laughs> when I was young, um, staunch Catholics. Uh, uh, my dad's... Um, parents, my grandparents started one of the Catholic churches here in St. Paul, so um, like in their basement, and then it grew to this other big church, so they were very, very good Catholics, so uh, when we, I was about six or seven, my parents left the Catholic church, and that was like a huge deal to my grandparents, they like almost disowned them, and all this big mess, um, but uh, so I went from being Catholic to they went to a charismatic church. So it was like this huge, like, you know, change or turn because, you know, the differences <laughs> in that. <laughs> I won't go into that, but yeah, it was like, it was very different for me, even as a little kid. Like, you know, I was used to a Catholic church and then to go to these, this crazy charismatic church. And we, I, we stayed. At the, it was a couple churches where I went to growing up, but we stayed though I stayed at those until through college even. Um, I was really um, involved in the church. I was on the worship team for a long time and in the youth group and all this kind of stuff. Um, uh, I I went to church a lot, like especially 
through college and after college, I, I, I don't know if it was me trying to um, say that I was a good person because I knew, you know, uh, if not everyone, I'm sure everyone knows, but I'm gay and it was a huge, it was a <laughs> shade. No, I was kidding. <laughs> but uh, I, it was very hard for me to like, uh, especially in the 90s, <laughs> it was a lot different than it is now as far as like being more open about your sexuality. But it was, uh, I think it was a lot of internalizing hatred in myself. So um, I think I just went to church a lot and was involved as much as I could be so I didn't have to think about it and I would be good then and whatnot. So um, then when I moved back to the Twin Cities, I left that church and it was kind of like a long time of just trying to find a church. Um, but I've always been really... Um, a churchgoer, I guess, uh, have always had a really strong faith, so that's kind of my church background. <laughs> All right. Nice. I think, uh, well, you get to decide. I'll make you do it. Do you want to go into what strengthened your faith or doubts and questions next, TJ? <laughs> I can do decisive. Um, <laughs> you decided to go first. I know. That was... Well, we can we can do strengthen. Okay, I think. all right. Um, so, kind of building on what I talked about earlier, I think I think I can. Well, it's kind of one thing. When I was in the Catholic Church, um, and when I was growing up, it, it, and this is my own experience. I don't expect everyone else to kind of. Um, well, maybe you will. I don't know. But every time I would interact with somebody I went to the Catholic Church with, outside of the Catholic Church. There, it, it's like there, nothing else existed, so we couldn't have normal conversations. So, including family members, including you know just random people I met who went to other elementary or middle or high schools, and it just, I, I couldn't wrap my head around just being a having having like your own life and personal experiences, and not every single second have to relate that to you know did you go to confession? You know, have you prayed your rosary beads? And I, it, it, that was really off-putting to me. So I think one of the things that strengthened my faith was when I was in high school and I started hanging out with people who went to different types of churches. It was so refreshing when I found out they went there and I could have a conversation that didn't feel like there was a Jehovah's Witness at my door every single second. And again, there's, there's obviously a, a time and place for th those conversations to, to happen, but when you can't even ask somebody how their day is without, you know, trying to tie that into to something. I, for me, that was just, it was really refreshing when I could, I could see these people and I could see them just being teenagers, just being normal people, but then also having that spiritual side where when, um, you know, when, when I had questions or, or things like that, they would be more than willing to, to um, help me through that. It wasn't just, I am just this little perfect religious person who does no wrong, and that's the only sort of persona I'm going to put on for everybody. So I think just seeing those people being exposed to different types of communities and then just kind of seeing how they interact with that community and outside and how you can just be yourself and how that um, really manifested itself really helped me. Um, and especially when I went to college, because obviously when you're in college, there's a ton of different things that you can get in trouble with, with temptations and um, just different things. And, and that's the thing with um, growing up Catholic was everything was, you 
you know, we talk about this all the time, the different things that get in the way of your faith, where, um, you know, I, I think Keenan was talking about this last week or two weeks ago, like we were talking about smokers and smoking, and like that was just looked at as bad. And growing up in, in my family, that all those prescriptions always kept coming up. Like you couldn't be this man of faith if you drank or if you smoked or if you, um, you know, had a kid outside of wedlock or whatever it was. So in college, meeting people... You're telling my story. I know. Well, this is, yeah, <laughs> this is Luke's memoir. <laughs> but, um, and, and so, but it was refreshing seeing people who, who would do those things. And it wasn't that I was looking for an excuse to, to quote unquote sin, but just seeing those people and seeing them be leaders of the church, of all of these different churches and things like that, that really sort of... Um, almost removed like a, a veil from my eyes and I, I, I kind of saw everything in a different light and I think it's been a lot easier since that point to really develop that relationship because you don't feel the guilt like if you do something wrong when I was growing up it was just this immediate and immense guilt like oh crap I just argued with my mom like how many prayers do I have to say to, to wipe that stain off you know like Lynn was talking about and once I kind of realized that it wasn't just this checklist system that, you know, you didn't get to heaven, and he just whips out this piece of paper, and it's like, all right, let's talk about when you were seven, you know, like, you had a rough <laughs> year, and that, you know, you may have been pious beyond or before that, but that's, you know, year seven, you're, you, know, you just can't overcome it, but that's what I was brought up thinking, and that's, and it's still hard for me right now, but seeing other people, um, uh, you know, being able to, to not have that mindset, I think, really helped me, so. How many prayers is it to get over arguing with your mom? I haven't figured the number well, it's out It's like yet, 35. So. Okay. So, I completely agree with that. Similar for me is just seeing people who are human. Like, or that's the only way that I could describe it is just human. And then beyond that, I would say probably um, I talked about how, like, I kind of went away from God for a little bit. And then coming back was probably what really strengthened my faith. Um, I always think of, like, um, the struggles and hardships in life kind of are there to kind of cement you and to kind of define your character so you can either kind of go off the rails or you can become a better person in a sense. It's just, it depends on how you look at things. But in this case, um, whenever I kind of shifted back, it was on my own terms and mm. trying to define what does religion and what does faith look like for me. And so I'm very um, analytical and I like to explore things and I like to research things. So I decided to start looking at, well, how do other people interpret faith and religion among other religions, and how do they interact with their God, and what types of beliefs are they putting on their people, and how do I want to walk this life for myself and as a Christian? So those were some of the conversations, and those are, were some of the experiences that I had, and I think that that kind of strengthened my faith because I could go with my friends and I could have a conversation with them and just have an open dialogue, non-judgmental across both parties, and to learn something. And then to go and look for those types of experiences in a church as well and in the community and figure out, well, how do I want to interact with God as well? So I think those were some of the things that kind of strengthened my faith. That's good. There's so many spiritual almost every spiritual community I've been a part of until Bloom, the moment someone mentioned that part of their faith group from researching other religions 
someone would have been diving the stage or freaking out right now. Like just chaos would ensue that you would... I'm surprised Lightning didn't fall, but that's just me, you know, just kidding. <laughs> I, was, I was looking up at the ceiling to see. Yeah. Like, oh. I'm about to admit this. That's good, thank you. Um, experiences that have strengthened my faith. Um, growing up, I was like, I had um, severe asthma. Um, I grew up in a big family, so there was always like people around, <laughs> like our friends, and um, my parents would take in other kids that would live with us for a while. And, um, but um, I always felt um, pretty isolated because of being sick all the time. Um, you know, I couldn't go out and play in the barn with everybody else, you know. Or so I, I think growing up, I was always really pretty internal for a little kid, um, especially once I was getting older and, you know, I had to deal with this whole sexuality thing. Um, people weren't talking about that in the church at the time, so I think I had to really deal with it myself and find out um, between me and God myself and had to, like, study and um, really dive into that because I didn't really have a support to talk about that with. And um, so I think those um, really hard, a lot of that isolation really brought me close to God. Like, I knew that, you know, he was real. Yeah. Um, so... I'm sorry, I don't know what I'm trying to say. But uh, right. uh, that really strengthened my faith. Like, I, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter what people would say or do or think, or I knew that God was, um, he was real. He was, um, he was a rock. Like, I, I could trust in that. So that's kind of, those kind of experiences have really strengthened my faith. So, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. No, that's really good, John. Um, oh, thanks. Um, it's okay. it's just, oh God. You, have to, of, you have to say 45 <laughs> prayers for being second now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a hard topic for me to talk about, like, yeah. to whatever, but. Well, part of our mission statement at Bloom here is creating opportunities for people to experience the love, grace, and acceptance of God. It's not just talking about it. It's not just trying to convince each other. It's these, it's these moments like you did. When you had, like, yeah, you were alone, and we're hoping that we, people don't have to be alone, but we want to create atmospheres where it's not a conversation or it's not just, just science or just the merits of what was written, that we personally experienced a divine encounter in a way that no one can, no one can wrestle it away from us. I know what I felt. I know what I touched. Um, those can be really real and revealing, especially the way you shared it. It was great. Thank you. So, doubts, questions, struggle. Yeah. Um, I, I, in my long-winded answers, I feel like I've kind of already touched on this, but just growing up, just feeling that there was all these, like, like the whole checklist thing, I just, that was really hard for me to wrap my mind around, just the, the constant guilt, you know, feeling, you know, where am I at? Have I done enough good things to outweigh the bad things and, and that sort of thing? And then once I kind of left the Catholic Church and, and started going to more non-denominational or, or Methodist or Lutheran or whatever it was, um, it was hard for me to see other people. You know, I, I mentioned before that that actually strengthened me, but it was kind of a double-edged sword. It was, at first, it was actually challenging to see that because I didn't know 
having never really been around those types of people, how I could then do that myself. Um, so it, it, when I was growing up, it, it was never easy for me to have a conversation about my faith. My parents, for as much as they really, well, my mom at least, really wanted me to, to be involved in the church, we never ever just sat down and she never just asked me, you know, hey, what are you, what are your thoughts or what are you struggling with? Or here's, here's my interpretation of this and here's what I believe and here's what we believe as a family. It was just kind of this, church was this thing we just did every Sunday for an hour and then we never talked about it ever again. And until the next Sunday, until my brothers and I would pretend to be sleeping so we could get out of it. And it was just this constant battle my whole childhood until finally my parent, my mom basically just gave up and was like, you know what, we'll, we'll keep your brothers, um, you know, going through it so they can get confirmed. And I was my brother's confirmation sponsor and went to zero of the meetings. I showed up late to confirmation as they were walking in and like ran up and got in line. So you could tell how seriously we took it. But so just really transitioning from that sort of world into a world where, you know, like, all everybody sitting here just has personality, and you think of them as a person first. Like when I, I think of me or Luke or whoever, I don't think of them as, oh, they're this perfect, pious individual, and then everything else is secondary, which is w when growing up, that's kind of how we were taught to see people, is, okay, you need to acknowledge the fact that this person is goes to church and goes to religion class and that alone is setting them up on this pedestal and then everything else is kind of secondary when in reality it's like no well, we're we're disregarding all the great things that make that individual himself or herself or unique or their own person and that was just kind of swept under the rug for so many people um, so that was really hard for me to kind of adjust and switch that mindset i don't know if i'm making sense at all but no, it it's that really was a struggle for me and still sometimes is because so much of that was really drilled into me as a young kid where I'll still fall back into thinking like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I, I can't even think of something. I, I drank too much or I did this and how, how can I reconcile that um, going forward so that I can get back to square one. So that's still a, a, almost a constant struggle for me, but it gets better yeah. every year. So. It's interesting, it kind of relates to John's story in the sense of you're feeling alone. Like, he couldn't because his, the, like, feel like he was in a journey with someone because what he was searching for was taboo to everyone else. Everything was taboo, it seems like, to, uh, in conversation-wise to the group. And it was, and I, I don't think I had my first actual, I guess you'd call it spiritual conversation until maybe I was a junior or senior in high school. Yeah. And it was very basic you know I remember I remember um, Allie came to my grad party and wrote you know we had a, um, a little uh, you know put the senior picture in the middle and it's that felt board and everybody signs it or writes a message you know like don't flunk out of college which I got a lot of but um, <laughs> she wrote on there she wrote um, you need to go to church and and that was all she wrote <laughs> and she was she was courting me at the time so it was a weird strategy but it worked um but you know like no one would have done that for anybody else and so even just like something simple like that that sparked a conversation and we started dating a few days later because i was like wow she wants me to go to church i should marry her um <laughs> but that's all that's all it takes guys um but no so it just just being like 
and I was I was comfortable having those conversations, and that was that was the first time really. And then in college, it helped because I you know we went to different um, you know church and youth groups and stuff in college, and just being able to see people going through the same struggles that everybody was, yeah. but still being able to carry on this faith and very strong faith. That was really I think a turning point for me. So. That's good. It also reassures me as to why you asked me to marry you as well, because I wanted you to go to church, and now I get it. And it was like, he did. I don't think this is how this works, man. Like, You're not alone. So. Yeah, so for me, uh, very, very similar, just wrestling with uh, just this checkmark system, and it's almost like going to Dave & Buster's or Chuck E. Cheese, and you do enough good things, you get tokens, and all this stuff, and I don't know, but like, do you ever have enough tokens to get to heaven in the system? Um, so that for me was something that I wrestled with for a very, very long time. Ever since I was little, I remember thinking like, this just does not make sense to me. And like I talked about exploring other faiths and whatever else, and just how they see Jesus as like another spiritual teacher. And I thought about, like, well, what would it look like if me as a Christian, I thought of him as a spiritual teacher and the things that we're supposed to learn from that. So if we are walking this earth and we are doing things that are causing us to have so much pain and suffering, what can we learn from what he's teaching us? So those things helped me to internalize the things that I was learning and how to put it into a box to where it made sense to me. Mm. And instead of this check mark system where I don't know if I have enough check marks and if someone happens to not be Christian, then they're not getting into heaven. And if they're not doing all the things that we're prescribing to them on this day, and how does that even work? And my mind cannot twist itself around this concept. So at least that's where I've gone through. And it's something that I continue to wrestle with this idea of unconditional love too because it's something that was not taught to me whenever I was little and it's something that I've slowly had to keep almost reinforcing it's like you write daily positive affirmations on your mirror it's like the same thing like God loves you God loves you and it's like you just have to keep reminding yourself or at least I do and that's something that I've had to kind of wrestle with for me mm. Yeah, that's really good. And I've, a lot of that is such a product of how we grew up in the spiritual system we were in. And because it was the one thing my grandma and my mother did a good job of is no matter who else was saying that I was going to hell, they were like, no, God loves you. And there was this basis of that, no matter what, that seemed to stick. But then I'll have other people that I know that seem to be doing an amazing job in life, seem to have no problem with their faith, yet there's this like, I still wonder if God loves me though. Like this, they've been told so much that they just, there was this earning and it was all on themselves that this self, am I earning enough? Is there enough tokens? Is there enough Chuck E. Cheese in the sky? I love that example because it's, it's so, like he's a genie and if you rub the lamp just right or you, like you're going to get your wish. Uh, it's, it's so hard, but so many, so many people still like portray this or buy into it without thinking that we can have dialogue about it, um, that there might be other ways to look at this. Uh, what did that say about God to you? Like, 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 what were your thoughts on just divine in general? If, if it's requiring tokens. So, at least for me, I thought of it because 
I look at the way that people look at each other too. So we look at each other in a very judgmental way, even if we're not trying to be so. So I look at it as, well, God is constantly judging me in every single moment. And they would always say, well, God sees everything. And it's like, and God knows everything as well. And I was like, well, like I'm trying to be perfect, but I can't. Like I'm trying my absolute hardest, but I cannot. So it's like, if you set the bar all the way up here and you're destined to fail, then why try? So that's where I was at on that. And then it's, I even talked about earlier, like, well, I kept trying to do all these good things and bad things still happened. So you just, I don't know, it's a way that your mind just cannot even wrap its head around. So I just, I didn't get it. Like, I didn't get it from a very early age. I still don't get it now. And I think the idea of unconditional love and grace just made sense for me whenever I was younger. And I thought that that was what it really was. But whenever you're hearing conflicting stories over and over, and it's like, no, that's not true. It's really a token system. Like, he doesn't love you unconditionally. Yeah, he loves you, but it's not unconditionally. You have to earn his love. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah, that's good. How about you, John? Um, I have to say, I, I've never really had doubts about God um, as more of doubts of the church um, yeah. in general. Um, when I, I went to Northwestern College here in town, so that was a very, it was good for me because I was, you know, I, I knew Catholic, the Catholic Church a little bit, but I was pretty little. And but I grew up mostly charismatic and really fundamental, fundamental, you know, thinking. And it was good for me just because I, I was like, oh wow, there's other, you know, I knew there was other denominations out there, but you know, you all just thought everybody believed the same way you were brought up, and so um, that really kind of it was cool for me because it really opened my eyes to other people's, you know, oh wow, they think really way different than I do. But um, I think for me, the hardest, the, the biggest doubts for me is just like the state of the church right now, as far as, um, especially in America, how it's become so political and it's become, you know, you, you have to be part of this party or that party. And um, I just see so much, for me, injustices that the church is putting upon people um, with really weird thinking and, you know, you know, making the country their God or the who is ever in office their God or whoever, you know. So it, those are the kind of the biggest doubts for me right now is just like the state of the church. And um, I feel like for me, like how far we've gone from the gospel and how, mm. you know, just skewed it seems to me. So, I mean, I think for me, that's where my biggest doubts come in. Like just in humanity too at times you think oh my gosh like I just, especially the thing with like social media you just see the worst of people and you see it all the time and I think that's really hard on anyone's psyche to just to be like you know like have that constantly and a lot of times the, that really negativity is coming from people who you know are supposed to be followers of Jesus and you're like you know how does that where does that come from or how does that um, coexist so I mean I think that for me right now is the biggest struggle I have with my faith and with you know just the church in general right now but so um, yeah which is one I think well I definitely resonate with 
um, and I know a lot of other people do lately, is this, how could God allow it to look like this or whatever? And I think personal justification in my own mind is that a lot of Christianity doesn't follow Jesus anymore. They're following something else. But, um, but still, it's, yeah, that question is like, how, how could you let it turn out like this? What's going on? Um, which raises a million other questions that we could dive into. Comment about that. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say that because I was thinking, like, you know, the world's changing, and then everyone will talk about, like, oh, well, you know, in the Bible it says this, and they'll, like, point to an exact scripture. I was like, okay, well, I got to combat this. I got to find an exact scripture to counteract it and, like, to kind of go toe-to-toe with them. And then <laughs> I was thinking, well, I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm politi- I'm putting a political view or my own belief mm. on the scripture, which is just as bad, and it can be just as toxic. And instead of just looking at the spirit of it and trying to be non-biased for myself and actually learning something which I feel like we've gotten away from. So it's, it's sad to see how toxic it can be. Yeah. Um, okay, you've all obviously some form or another decided to be a part of this community, continue to be a follower of Jesus. I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth, but you still are. Um, Yet I imagine a lot of views have changed significantly from along the way. I won't even say from childhood, because it could have happened last week, um, as does to me almost every freaking week. Uh, what, uh, what, what, what significant shifts or changes have made along the way, and how has it either, I don't know, how has that reinforced your faith or what kind of God looks like in your eyes then because of Maybe someone taught you it's this way or something. You Maybe it was just a baseline. I thought it was this way, and then, oh, man, that is because of meeting people or experiences or living life, like, it's shifted a little bit. Um, and you don't have to take this in order since this isn't on your sheet. Um, uh, whoever thinks of something you want to say, you can just jump in. And I have to say my... Um my faith has changed. Uh, like the older I get, the, the, the you know this is so cliche, but like the more you realize, really, you don't really know all that much <laughs> when you start looking into things. And I have to say, my faith has like really simplified over mm. the years to where I'm just like, there's you, all you need is a grain of mustard seed <laughs> kind of faith. Uh, and uh, for me. First Corinthians 13 is always, I, I probably said this before, but it's always been my kind of guide, and it's probably the hardest verses to ever, like, if you actually tackle them and, like, look at them. It's like, love is probably the hardest thing to really follow because, you know, of our sinful nature and whatever and are just wanting our own way. Um, so really, I've just kind of uh, simplified it down to, like, all you need is a grain of mustard seed and kind of faith and love one another. Like, uh, and that's so easy to say, but um, just to, uh, I think growing up, you know, in church a ton and I went to Christian schools and I went to Christian college, like everybody's 
theology was such a huge deal, and it's, it's caused, you know, I mean, there's so many denominations in the church nowadays just because of nobody can agree on anything. And I think um, for me, I've just been like, I, I mean, you're never going to agree on a single thing. So for me, I've just been like, okay, I just need to simplify it down to love because so that's what I've been mostly studying on and trying to live out in my life. Those, you know, First Corinthians 13, even just taking one a month and like yeah. <laughs> focusing on that because it's it's way harder than I ever thought it would be. But um, I've just really tried to make my faith way more simple than you know trying to like prove how much I know, which I really don't know much. And then you know, it just uh, there's so much junk going on in the world. We really need to just treat people well. That's, I think that's basically what it boils down to. Yeah. In a similar vein, I think for me it's just been not trying to copy other people's faith. I think for the longest time, you know, you see people that you look up to and you see things that they do, but then you realize that that just kind of works for that individual. And for so long I've been you know, different mentors and different people. I, I try to just pick and choose and take different things that work for me and just understand that my relationship with Jesus and my, my individual faith is always going to be different than even my wife's or, or anybody else's and yep. not try to prescribe to this, this well, I want to say group think, but I don't mean that in that I'm thinking that, you know, like, when I die, I get my own asteroid belt or, you know, like I'm not just making things up in my mind, but it's just the relationship is going to be individual and accepting that and being open, more open-minded too. Cause I do think when I first kind of transitioned from the Catholic church into, you know, more non-denominational other denominations, um, really just, not thinking for myself, really just taking whatever somebody said and just running with it. And then if anyone disagreed with me, it's like, no, 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 but you didn't hear, you know, this guy said it was, that's how it is. So I'm just going to believe that ad nauseum. So kind of like Lynn was talking about being more critical, being more analytical and just being more receptive to different viewpoints, because I think everyone thinks that whatever they think or do is correct, just because we're all very self-centered individuals as humans, but just being more open um, to other viewpoints, to things from other religions, um, and just kind of using that to, to, to strengthen my faith in my own way. And that's been challenging, but it's the, the more I kind of let my guard down, I think the closer I've, I've come to Jesus. And there are days where that's easier than others, but it's just something I'm trying to be more conscious of, I think, oh, that's good. going forward. So. I think even being a minister, you go into the beginning thinking that I'm, I have a perspective that's inspiring and that I need to woo others to and uh, along, the, along the way. And if you follow Jesus at all and listen to what he's saying, you, you realize he's not forcing a particular perspective. He's opening mm -hmm. perspectives. He's, he's calling to uh, like, look at it in a different way. Look at it in someone else's eyes. Look at it in their shoes. Like, look at like this, is, this opening us up to more. I think that's even what today can be, is these, these stories just open us up to a different perspective. I haven't walked in TJ's shoes, or John's shoes, or Lynn's shoes, and we, we see how religion has shaped them, how their story has shaped them, how hardship has shaped them. Um, yeah. I think for me, um, similarly, being appreciative of the journey, and being appreciative of 
everything that unfolds and not worrying about, well, what's going to happen next? Or how about tomorrow or the next day? But just being present and being aware of where I'm at today and being open to all experiences that I'm having currently. And in that also, just walking a good life, being kind to other people, just being receptive to kindness from other people as well has been something um, that I've just worked on. So those things together are kind of, I would say, I don't want to say like my spiritual, like, I don't know, like phrase or go-to, but that's kind of where I'm at now. There's so many people I encounter that tell me something similar or something passionate that they've like come down to, and you'll, uh, I'll see it in the life of Jesus so many times. And nothing you don't, but there's so many of us who are like, well, is that really, is it really there? And if you look at like the unity and the, like the, his call to unity is, is almost ad nauseum drilled in at times, and yet it's so fl- we're so flippant and easy to be like, well, it's, he's not talking about that kind of unity. And you're like, really? Let's, let's reread all the unity verses. And, and as an analytic like you, when I first really found grace and started to question some of these things, I had notebooks filled with, no, I can find like 300 times Jesus says that to year one, like, well, he also says this. And you're like, I'm going to have that verse to just, and the notebook full of verses that I will crush your belief, watch. And uh, instead of learning and growing and being gentle with this. Um, oh, I want to know, um, let's switch a little bit. I'm going to come back to harder faith stuff. Let's, if, how would you describe our Bloom community to someone not from here? if you were describing them, what we got going on here. It's an audience question, too, so just to let you know, I'm not just making this stuff up. I can go, because I actually just described it. Um, I described it to someone as it's kind of like a co-op. And I said it has a very cool hipster vibe to it. And oh my God! Yeah, so I, I we're said, failing. Like, I said not hipster in all the negative aspects, but the cool aspects, as in we're doing it better than anyone else before they're doing it. So. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh but, my. Uh, but yeah, so I described it as like a place where you can just come as you are. You can ask all the questions that you have, and it's non-judgmental. Um, the one thing that I really liked about it, because I was thinking about it as we were setting up today, was whenever I first walked in, and I, was, I had no idea what it was going to be like. And I just went off of what was on the website. And I remember thinking the first day that I came here was a panel like this, and everyone was up at the front, and I was like, this is so cool. People are saying that like they haven't always had this amazing rock solid relationship with God. I've never heard someone say that, that's amazing. And then you hear it over and over again how people have gone through this religious journey and how it has shaped them and it has strengthened their faith and I thought that that was absolutely amazing. So that's what I would describe Bloom as just this place where you can grow and it's safe to Mm. grow. I think Lynn said it uh, better than I could, so I don't, really, <laughs> I don't really have a ton to add on. But I, I will say, thinking back to the first time Allie and I came, um, we, we moved up here four or five years ago now, and we've been looking for a church 
pretty pretty much constantly in that time, and we, we tried a bunch out, and there were some we liked a little bit more than others, but it was just really impersonal, I feel like, and um, I know, Luke, we've talked about this, and you've said some people actually like that, that you can just kind of get lost in the crowd, and I don't think that's true here, and I think that's a, a benefit to, to Bloom, and I remember when we walked in, um, it was outside, and we got there early, and <laughs> we were terrified, because we're like, there's nobody here, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna have to talk to these people, and you know I've thought of putting that on the website. Do not do not come early. Like well, come at ten thirty. No, and it's like it's once obviously once you. Or ten minutes later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it was you know we we get out of the car and all the eyes turn and we're like oh my god should we get back in the car like should, <laughs> we, you know we could just pretend we're going for a walk and we got up but we were we were amazed because you guys at first you know we were small enough where I feel like we do recognize when when new people show up <laughs> and you started talking to us and we we commented on the way home just we couldn't believe how. Um, you know, willing people were, because as much as Minnesotans, and I can say this is a non-native Minnesota, um, as much as you guys want to believe that you're nice and welcoming, you are, you are not. You are, actually, you are actually some of the least welcoming people I have ever met in my entire life. And I'm looking at all the transplants, Akua, and uh, just everyone here is just nodding in agreement. So you guys can get off your high horse a little bit. But um, <laughs> this... <laughs> This group of people is what I was the long-winded. I'm getting there, but this group of people is is different. Yeah, no, no, but this group is very is very different, and we could tell that right away. And, and I think there are those out, outliers everywhere. Um, so we appreciated that because I do know it's 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 hard welcoming people into the community. So when we tell people about Bloom, that's kind of what we talk about: is it's actually Minnesota nice. All right. With kindness, yeah. Anything to add to that? I mean, they've said it all pretty much. Like, everyone here is just so loving and open and accepting. I like the, that there's a conversation that we can have and bring up things that wouldn't normally be able to be brought up in other churches where you would just be, like, shunned right away or whatnot. So, I mean... The, I, when I started coming here, it was when it was in the auditorium and you could kind of like hide way in the back and there wasn't a lot of people. <laughs> and, yep. and then I kept getting smaller. And um, But no, I I really enjoy the open conversation at the end of each message. It kind of helps me during the week to kind of think about it more. And um, just the people, I don't know, y'all are awesome. So it's good. <laughs> uh, in lieu of awesomeness and our wanting to accept ideas, uh, I think we'd be short-sighted if we didn't get to like what ideas you have on how we can expand and grow as a community. Not grow in growth in numbers, but just in atmosphere. What are we doing? How can we strengthen this church community? What do you see as maybe that the thing we're missing sometimes? And there's grace, you know? We're, we want to learn, and we, each per person like sees something a little differently that we might not be seeing, and so um, what do you notice in Little Jahari window moment. <laughs> All right, since I spoke. Yeah. I think um, the one thing that I noticed um, whenever I was new compared to other churches, because I've gone to so many in the Twin Cities um, trying to find homes, uh, 
what's unique is the ones that I really, really liked was they had a system whenever you are new, they swoop you up immediately and you are integrated into their activities. And I mean, obviously you can opt out, but there's like a path, you don't get lost. So I think that's one of the things that I noticed here was it's a little bit easier to get lost mm. being a new person. And you have to have like that willingness, like, you know what, this place is amazing. I'm gonna stick it out and I want to get to know people. And then, I mean, we bring people in to the folds, but if you're a little bit shyer, it's a little slower in that process. Or if you're someone who likes structure, that structure is not as transparent. Okay. Good stuff. Oh, we're that good. No, I just, you just don't want to be honest. I just haven't been here a lot in the last year because of work. So I feel like, and I've just, I feel like I've been here so long. It's harder for me to like be honest. Look at it more. Like, yes, be honest. Right. Um, no, I just think um, for me, forever, I, I'm like introvert to the max. So it was like, y you know, it was hard for me to like jump in and you know want to become part of the church for a million reasons other than just um but i think for me uh just getting involved uh even if it's just setting up in the morning um was like the hugest thing for me to like actually start meeting people and um not just like sneak out after yeah <laughs> after the sermon was over um but um yeah i don't know just getting involved more uh, when things come up, uh, I know it's hard because people are so busy nowadays, but even for me, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a weak answer. At the beginning, John would leave five minutes early, so he wouldn't have to speak to people, so I would have to like come up with systems <laughs> to try like beeline to get to him before he and got out to say hello. Afterwards, yeah. have to like talk to people. I don't know. <laughs> I still get nervous about that, so whatever. <laughs> I honestly can't really think of anything else that wasn't said. I mean, the okay. only thing I could think of, um, you know, going off of maybe what Lynn was saying is if there was some sort of system or committee of people who, um, you know, when we noticed maybe somebody's coming more than once, you know, because there are people who just come one off and then we'll never see them again. Um, but if we identify individuals who are coming maybe, you know, a couple times a month and then say they're relatively new, how can we, you know, and I know we've done the dinners before. I know Allie and I really like that. When we um, first came here and Jan took a couple of us out to eat and we got to know Luke a little bit better and, and just um, things like that. And I look back to some of the other churches that I've been involved with um, where I felt like it was real inclusive from the get-go. And that was something I think a lot of them had. I don't know what that would look like here because um, we are small um so i don't know something something like that and then just i think getting out in the community um sort of with uh, not like you'd wear bloom shirts or anything but just doing doing different things as a, a group not necessarily always charitable things um but things where other people are going to be that may see us um you know we talked about the chipotle thing just random things like that i do think may spark an interest, especially, you know, we're close to colleges and things like that, um, you know, where we can get some people just to come over. I don't know. That's all.
I think right. it's a challenge for us because we don't have a building, you know, yeah. like most churches do, that you can like, oh, every Wednesday, you know, or whatever. Uh, uh, just, I think maybe consistency in something that people can yeah. get together. A lot of it's staff driven too, where we have to take, it's the co-op thing. If, it, yeah, right. if we do that, it's, yeah. it's not me, it's us. Right, exactly. <laughs> help finding solutions. Yeah. But that's what's great about it is it's coming from us and we can, we can do it together. Like like you have ownership in yeah. that sense, though. That's good. Now I'm going to ask pointed, hard questions. Okay, we're leaving, though. <laughs> Lynn. Okay. Epilepsy. Mm -hmm. God, how has that strengthened, struggled? What's your thoughts on all that? Living with something so everyday? So it hasn't gotten in the way, or like, why am I not healed if people say I should be healed, or? Because I think I was past that, like, fundamentalist mindset okay. of, like, because I got diagnosed with epilepsy whenever I was in college. Okay. Right? So it wasn't something that I knew that I had whenever I was young. I was having seizures whenever I was young, but I didn't know that they were seizures, nor did my parents, because you, you think of them as you fall on the floor, you convulse. That's the only thing that people know epilepsy to be, typically, because that's what you see. Mine are more so, I'm here, but I'm not here. So most people wouldn't know that I was having a seizure unless you were trained to see it, or honestly, I don't know. Because I'm having it, I don't know what it looks like to other people. So I would have them whenever I was younger, and my parents didn't know, my teachers didn't know, anything like that. So I think if I had, I probably would have had one of those like, okay, well, we're doing the healing prayers. We're doing all these other things. Why am I not healed? I'm okay. going to church like 10 times a week. Like, why? But because I was like past that mindset, I never connected the two. I was just like, you know what? This is just another thing in life. But I'm surrounded by good doctors. I'm really glad that I have a diagnosis for all these weird things that were happening that I didn't know were actually seizures, you know, and now I have medication that I can take to where I'm not having them. So, like, I saw it, like, glass more than half full because I was past that belief that, like, I could fix it potentially or that I was being perhaps punished for something. Or I don't, I don't know how I would have yeah. saw it otherwise because I wasn't in that mindset. Okay. John, probably similar uh, um, with some of the stuff you've gone through. Has it has it affected like why me, God? What's going on? Have you were you ever like I, I've heard people tell people like if if you weren't healed within X amount of time, you must have some kind of secret sin you're not admitting to. Did you ever think that secret sin was being gay? Like how how is this like? Oh yeah, for sure. You? Growing up, yeah, our church definitely was like you're sick for a reason because, you know, you're not right with God or I don't know, whatever. So, um, like I said, I, growing up, I had severe asthma. Like, you know, I was hospitalized for a few times. And um, it's scary, you know, um, being limited possibly. Um, but I think after a while, after I got out of that mindset of, you know, it's God punishing you or whatever, um, it's become more of a challenge just to... Um, I was diagnosed with MS about a year ago, um, and I was like, oh my gosh, like another thing? Like I have, I yeah. have epilepsy also, and 
I was in a severe car accident when I was 17 that, you know, I busted my face up and I have, I have metal in my face. And, um, but I never yeah, when that. I, when I came, when I was diagnosed with MS last year, I was like, ugh, what? Another, like, I was just getting, you know, coming to grips with all these other, like, physical issues. And, um, but I think, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think for me now, it's just, you know, I, I just have to trust God through it because um, especially with MS, it's like really, it really is almost, I wouldn't say ruined my life, but it's like limited it a lot. And I've had to like really come to terms with um, that limitation because I'm a person who's used to doing something 24 seven, like getting, you know, I, I've just always been kind of a go-getter and that's just really, I mean, all those other things have kind of limited that, but this is like, I mean, I, I can be laid up for a day or, you know, I just, you know, just things I go through. But um, I, I, for me, it's strengthened my faith still in God. I don't know how this happens. But, um, I still know that, you know, he's with me through it all, no yeah. matter how bad or how horrible it can get. I, I still have this, like, this deep faith, like, I know it's just he's a constant that's like the one constant thing in my life that's always been is God and I, I don't know how to explain how that's happened but it just it's just you know with all the garbage I've gone through but it's just the way it is so yeah what about um, so then TJ uh, I would say what what is something from Catholicism that you have now redeemed as like, okay, maybe there was, maybe they were onto something with this practice or something, and or how has Allie strengthened your faith as you two have kind of walked through this divorce of Catholicism and on to something else, to now this hippie commune co-op <laughs> that we call Bloom. Um, yeah. um, oh man, I don't want to give them too much credit on it. No, <laughs> I don't. Well, I'll answer the second one. I, th I just think... Well, well, it's okay. You can do that. Well, no, I'll, I'll think about it kind of while I'm talking out one side of my mouth. But, um, no, I think, I think just, again, it goes back to kind of what I was saying before. We have similar experiences. So being able to um, just have conversation, I think, at the end of the day. You know, we've... Um, her parents, you know, not to turn this into a panel for her, but her parents, very similar to, to my uh, mom's side of the family, very um, Catholic, went to church, grew up in a similar uh, uh, close proximity town to where my uh, mom grew up. Um, big families have a lot of the same beliefs on things. Um, so it's nice that we have each other, I think, and a community, obviously, where we can just kind of um, talk about things and not feel either pressured like we did when we were kids, you know, and, and I always go back to, um, you know, if we had questions or anything like that, we were told to just kind of suppress those, you know, your, your intellect is not high enough to understand, so just quit asking questions and just kind of accept it um, and, and move on and just, you know, hope to God that it never comes up again. Um, but I think it's really freeing to be able to do that, to be able to hear a message or look at something and then be able to not feel guilty to try to interpret it yourself. And by having somebody else who's mm. gone through the same things and being able to sort of bounce those ideas off of each other and communicate, I think has been really helpful for me. Um, and she's, I mean, she just keeps me in line. So that's 
kind of nice. But I can't, I'm trying to think about things I've adopted from Catholicism. I just, no, I just, I honestly, I'll, if I think of something later, I'll say it. I can't. And, it's, and, and the problem with it, though, is that I didn't learn all the right things. Again, going back to, like, the religion class, like, we didn't learn the whys behind we did anything. We didn't learn why you kneel and why we say and with your spirit now all of a sudden instead of, you know, and also with you. Like, there was never any here's the why behind it, and I'm somebody who likes to know, like, where does this come from, and we just never had that information. I know they, there's obviously it exists, but there just wasn't any emphasis on explaining, okay, here's why we do things the way we do, because okay. I do feel like that would have been helpful. So, and I've never gotten that from my grandma, from yeah. my mom. They've just, it's just been like, well, I'll just do it. And that just, I, ne- I don't like that. <laughs> when yeah. People just tell you to do something and can't articulate why, because that just tells me that there's, there's not a good reason usually. So, and they do, it's just do what you're, you know, I don't yeah. know. There's been so many of your family members who have visited Bloom with you, and then they come to say hi to me afterwards or something, and they're like, this doesn't feel like church, it feels more like a Bible study. And I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing, but maybe you just, maybe all you people just need like the basics a little deeper, and you're like, because we go into the why and we're willing to question, we're just babies at the basics because we haven't got into the faking it yet. But anyway, there's, there's some truth to um, when, when progress is... I'm sorry. Shoot, now I'm being too honest. All right, let's pray, and then we'll do a few announcements and go to prayer circles. We dedicate a little more time to this on days like this because it's, these are like the most important Sundays, so why not give the most effort to this? Uh, Jesus, thank you for these stories this morning. Thank you for this new and renewed perspectives. Thank you for this insight into the lives of these loved ones in our community. We just ask that Uh, You just help us to continue to just ruminate on what they said, to think it over, to learn, to grow, to change and enlarge our perspective. We just ask that we would just have the courage as a community to to keep going, to keep integrating others, to keep valuing each other's stories and perspectives and that it would just drive us closer together, which will make us closer to you at the same time. And so we just thank you for this right now in Jesus' name. Amen.